on the show tonight, I have my very good, very old friend, uh, Stevie P. Uh, Hello. Old friend of the show, early guest in, a, in another incarnation. Um, tell the people about yourself. What are you up to now? Uh, so right now I'm up to, uh, I work, I take care of my mom, and I'm currently working on a new short film, which will actually have a physical premiere on May 11th here in Grand Rapids at Skeletons, which I'm super excited about, and yeah, so that's kind of what I'm up to, and watching movies, and excited to record the session. Hell yeah, man. Um, yeah, very excited uh, that your some of your work's uh, getting out there, and especially at a venue that uh, means a lot for anybody who has spent any significant time in the city of Grand Rapids and is into Christian hardcore, I guess. Well, I mean, the, the venue is run by guys, but it's mostly just in a punk and hardcore, and it kind of feels very much at, at home. Just because I was with the other short film I did in twenty or released in twenty twenty, I was gonna do a um, try to do a physical premiere, but obviously COVID happened, and I just kind of had to finally finish, stop dragging my feet and finish it, and it went out well. But there was the UICA, I was gonna try to do a premiere there, and because of COVID, they're no longer in that um, big downtown building and lost their theater which is sad and unfortunate oh man yeah that's terrible news yeah but um being that it's like at skeletons it's very it just has more of that diy feel and feels more like at home with some of the 42nd street grindhouse auteurs who just like had no budget and popped out a movie and people want to go see it old school man uh support local cinema so yes. anybody in grand rapids check that out yeah um so ahead of you know an actual small uh exhibition um this episode's gonna be a little different uh not really covering anything in too much depth uh it's just me and an old buddy talking movies but with with kind of a a, a twist a different framing device so imagine a world where where us two got enough money and and a venue to sort of put on a festival of double features um and we just got to like pick a bunch of double features uh five each over however many nights we wanna we wanna show it there's there's no rules uh i i think um steve what what was kind of the pitch for this episode? This was your idea yeah, so basically um. I stole this from Pure Cinema Podcast, um, and they do kind of a similar thing, and it's just, like, kind of coming up with ideas to, like, talk about a podcast, but it's just, like, how... It's just very fun to talk about two movies that work together and how they can play off each other, and um, part of it, too, was the idea of... of not just making a list of ultimate movies, but just a, a, a fun programming of movies that would play well together and that way you can talk about and highlight movies that might not get talked about or some may be talked about a ton but just whatever was trying to float and get people excited to, to talk about movies yeah yeah I, I mean yeah i was really intrigued by it because like yeah the format of this show has usually been i mean it's always been kind of like 
scattershot and maybe not the most polished thing in existence, but they were like fairly deep thematic dives into um a lot of different stuff and yeah, it's just it's it's more fun to just talk about talk about movies. So like uh um let's let's get into it, man. Uh do you do you want to go first? Sure, yeah, I'll go first. Um, uh yeah, night one, screening one. Yeah, so I'm gonna kind of count down and this will be my my fifth slot and we'll go down to one. Um so the first two features I actually did some movie reviews on them on my YouTube channel and then I was gonna do some more reviews and didn't happen. But anyways, so the new kids paired with Hunting Ground. So New Kids came out in 1985 and was directed by Sean S. Cunningham, the director of Friday the 13th. And he's kind of mostly known for Friday. Like, that was, like, his biggest hit. And um, he has some other good quality movies, but they just get overshadowed by uh, Friday the 13th. Um, But I can't remember if I said it came out in 85, but it stars... Lori Laughlin as a sister and so it deals with uh, Lauren and Abby who are two siblings and their parents die in this car crash in this accident and then they get shipped like down south to their aunt and uncle who are owning a or she's trying to he, they own a convenience store a little gas station convenience store and he's trying to build out this like theme park with animals and whatnot and um, what was it? They, uh, so they're like the new kids in town, and, uh, who was the, oh, Eddie is kind of like a, a sleazeball character of, of a, uh, a, a gang of other kids in town that want to, uh, go out with, with, uh, Lori Laughlin's character, Abby, and she's, doesn't want anything to do with them. Um, there's actually a small role with Eric Stoltz, who's in some various 80s movies, and, um, she kind of likes him a bit more, and almost didn't recognize him, because he was so young, but he's been in, like, Pulp Fiction, Kicking and Screaming, and whatnot, and, um, Yeah, he was, he was in a bunch of stuff in the, I mean, yeah, yeah, Eric Stoltz, known, known actor. <laughs> yeah, and this is, I think, too, one of his earlier roles, but this movie... Um, what I really like about it is it, it kind of slowly drags you in. It, it has this, uh, very 80s, like, um, the, the character of uh, James Spader, he, he's so, like, vile or, like, menacing kind of way. Like, he's very sleazy. He's, like, very, like, has that very macho, toxic masculinity that, um, we talk about today. And, like, Back then, it was somewhat more accepted, and um, and then it go like towards the last end part of like fifteen or twenty minutes, you're just like, what the like? I did not expect it to get this kind of like rough or intense, not like super rough, but very much like I did not expect it to have this much of a bite or an edge, and it's a lot of fun. Okay, so I'm hearing yeah. that. Oh yeah. Oh no, yeah, go for it. I I had never heard of this one and it, I I want to track it down now. Yeah, so um 
Hunting Ground came out in 1983, and it's a Spanish film directed by, uh, forgive me for slaughtering, Jorge <laughs> Gru, G-R-A-U. Okay. Um, he's a uh, cult filmmaker who's best known for um, Let Sleeping Corpses Lie, or um, known here in America as The Living Dead at Manchester Morgue. Okay. Um, so this movie uh, has has kind of a similar thing. Um, the main character, I forgot her name, let me look that up real quick, uh, Adele, is a defense attorney, and she kind of defends criminals from going, like, into jail or having harsh prison times and stuff, um, and she's, like, very more, like, upper middle class, um, kind of thing, and some people have this idea, uh, you know, it was like, oh, like, this movie's just kind of about the liberal getting what they, you know, their, their like, ideals flashed or put back in their face. But I think this movie is more de definitely dealing with, like, trying to actually live out your ideals when it's, it's like, harder or it's, like, not how you want it to be. So she has uh, a little getaway house outside of, like, um, I forgot what to say. Um, anyways, there's a little getaway house, and they go there with the family, her and her husband and her, her daughter and son, and they go for retreat, and then they come back. They have to go back, and they find um, this group of these group of thugs like um, stealing all their record systems and, and and whatnot, and all the valuables. And the character's name is uh, Maury. And he's pretty pretty sleazy guy. Like he's kind of this idea, because the the film posits, um, you know, these are people are criminals out of necessity, but not of out of need. But this kind of directly challenges that idea of he's almost like a villain for the sake of being a villain. He's like wanting to be bad just just to be bad. And so the movie's kind of wanting her to dig d go against her value of just being like, all right, you're a piece of shit. We just need to get rid of you. And so he kind of, um, she ends up, so they when they end up returning to the, the little villa, um, her husband gets killed. And so this whole thing is like having to like find him and turn him in. And he's like, well, if you tell me, buddy, if you, if you um, give me away, I'm going to come after you and all this stuff. Um, but this one again, towards the last 15 minutes, now th this one, um, if you're kind of squeamish, it, it goes, dives hard into <laughs> the exploitation territory. It's, it's up there with some of like last house on the left or like I spit on your grave kind of thing. Um, but that's kind of why I love it because it plays off very smartly. It's a very smart exploitation movie, plays almost like a drama. And then it just bears its teeth in the last 15 minutes. And it takes place around Christmas time. So it could also be a, a, a solid alternative to normal Christmas movies. Um, okay. And I think the Christmas theme plays into the themes of the movie as well. Um, so the new kids you can find on Mill Creek Entertainment. Or if you have a region free player, there's a special edition put out by 101 Films, which is Region B. And 
Hunting Ground is put out by Mondo Macabro. In um the new kids, you kind of expect it to go that way, but it it it's like Sean S. Cunningham, like you can he's still he's like a good director. It's not like he just had a one off. Like he has skill creating the tension and the suspense in the end of the movie and it's it's really good. So Yeah. yeah. I'll have to man, I'll have to track those down. Uh those sound interesting. I don't know if any of these are on streaming anywhere. That's one thing I I didn't look up. I just know the the Blu-ray labels. Okay. So. Yeah. Um I know I know a lot a lot of these these foreign ones especially with like murkier distribution in the states are like you can usually find them just on YouTube or something sometimes. Yeah. I know hunt, hunting grounds going to be very hard to f- find outside the Blu-ray cuz I don't think it was ever released in America until Mondo Macabre put that out. Um, but, um, towards the end, I guess the end, uh, we can, I, I know there's a few websites I go through. If anyone's interested and is like, oh, I, I've never gone here. I can give some recommendations. Uh, yeah, I suppose I can, I can plug the, uh, join the discord. Um, that'll be a, a new draw. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Uh, uh, Stevie P's hookups for, for rare exploitation cinema. Man, yeah, I, I have a feeling Steve's uh, Stevie's recommends here are gonna be a little more harder to find. Like I'm feeling very conventional with what my. <laughs> it's all right. Night one, screening two. Um, eyes wide shut and the dirty dozen. Oh, really? <laughs> so I'll, I, I guess I should preface my list by saying these these features are are born more out of definitely like my particular uh, preoccupations these days, but also, uh, well, that, that's well, like that's the point. No explanations, but well, that uh, that is yeah. the point, but also like. These are definitely my preoccupations. So like, right, yeah. <laughs> you're, you're, and even if yours is maybe more conventional than mine, it, it gives a good balance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so Eyes Wide Shut and The Dirty Dozen, these are two movies that uh, I don't think would be played together um, very often, but they... No. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think the sequence is important. Um, oh sure. Um, just because, like, I I like the. So my concern with Eyes Wide Shut is, of course, all of like you know the conspiracy brain shit. I mean, I just mm-hmm. I just I just you know it's all that like, you know, Tom Cruise's position is you know he's he's. Uh, like middle upper class doctor that sort of and and this, these are all of his brushes with you know the upper crust the movers and shakers in this world and 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 mm-hmm. he and he stumbles upon something very dark and and really tests his his limits as a man and and you know probably emerges from this you know forever changed um i think what i like is is like the picture of what of what power looks like how the powerful what their resources render them capable of what kinds of people are produced uh, in this milieu and, and the sort mm-hmm. of like the dreamlike outsiders, like naive, um, you know, sort of wandering through it and, and never getting a clear picture of what's going on, uh, for fear of his own safety. Um, 
Yeah, and and I mean, as, as with all of all of Kubrick's movies, like it, it just it has always attracted a lot of a lot of speculation, and 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 I'm I'm not so concerned with like the actual theories, uh, you know, if it's actually pointing to anything that's real, you know, it's just mm-hmm. the idea that there are people with power that are in charge of things, and they all run in the same social circles and hang out together. I mean. <laughs> I think that's just that's just a description of reality uh <laughs> at a certain point. Um so uh so you watch Eyes Wide Shut and then we get to the end and and we're mad. We're we're confused. We're, you know, uh I mean, I'm mad. I'm mad by the end of Eyes Wide Shut. Um so that that brings us to the dirty dozen in which uh the the underclass of america are are uh, are disciplined into a a fighting force and unleashed on a bunch of fascists uh, uh ending in a you know gasoline soaked blaze of glory in which you know most of these men die on foreign soil but you know have uh exonerated themselves for their crimes by uh killing a bunch of nazis um and so that's great. <laughs> yeah, um, I like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's just it's just a picture of of what what I like to imagine could you know possibly happen to the powerful someday. Uh, <laughs> um, okay, okay you know, I see this. You know, and it's like so. Eyes Wide Shut is about the bonds uh, that that tie the rich and powerful together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the way power is, 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 uh, allocated and exercised. And, you know, the, the second movie is a picture of how, how the people that are subject to that can, you know, <laughs> can strike back, um, can, can, uh, and, and, a and a sort of like a disparate and temperamental coalition of, 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 uh, different, I mean, it's all different men, but, you know, it's, uh, you know, petty thieves to, to monstrous rapists and, and everything in between, you know, it's a hell of an ensemble cast, um, like hell of a collection of characters. And then one of the best action set pieces ever put on film. <laughs> and, yeah. and, and then they both, and yeah, they both have that. It's like that, that long build up to that set piece. And it's two very, you know, one is very, you know, uh, very much a, a disempowerment fan fantasy, a, a recognition of, of one's place in the universe. And, you know, the, the other one is like a bunch of rugged individuals coming together for a common goal and, you know, taking a bunch of terrible people out of the world with them. Uh, and I think that's a beautiful image. <laughs> yeah. So I haven't actually seen a dirty dozen, so I'll have to, I have to track it down and, and double feature these and see how it, how it plays. But I love Eyes Wide Shut. It's so hypnotic. It's also one of my favorite Christmas movies. Yep. <laughs> and one of my favorite Kubrick movies. Like, it's so odd that people just didn't get it when it came out. It's like, what the yeah. Like, what? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think it's it, it's finally been, like, properly rated. But, you know, it's... Uh, no, I mean, it, it's such a it's such a product of the time... Um, you know, before anybody's seen it, it already has the reputation of being Kubrick's last film. Um, right. 
tied in with the fact that i i mean weren't nicole kidman and tom cruise divorced by the time it it released or like shortly thereafter but i mean it was like they were like the it couple in hollywood at the time and they were Mm -hmm. in kubrick's last movie and it's this like right dreamlike darkly erotic you know almost thriller film uh Mm -hmm. yeah it just broke people's brains man oh for sure yeah people just were like it's not i mean most of these movies have never been what people expected and Night two, screening one. Take it away. We're going to kick it off with the film Kids by Larry Clark. Larry Clark. And then we're going to go off into uh, mid-90s. So Kids came out in 1995 and is a coming-of-age American drama film. I know when I first encountered this movie, it it was... um, there's a lot of hype around it and a lot of like, oh, this is like such a shocking movie. But like by the time I seen it, it was like, that's just what kids do in one sense. Like, I mean, not necessarily to the severity of being such assholes to each other all the time. I mean, in in certain circles, sure. But like, so it's a movie that like I've I've always kind of kind of come back to where I like when I first watched it with having this hype of being such like a shocking film it didn't quite live up to it but when you go back and you look at like the characters and the personality or in in, like the the cinema verte like kind of directing that Larry Clark did with the camera work and getting like non-professional actors and just kind of this like day in a life of these teenagers um it's really good and it sets and so like these are kind of in the genre of delinquent films and so this kind of sets the precedent for like modern delinquent films or coming of age teenager films from here on and also it's something that uh hasn't it's kind of been lost for a while and i really felt like um moving on to mid 90s um, really cap had that a similar essence and vibe of like these kids going around um dealing with life in mid nineties is an a twenty four film but I'm surprised by how many people haven't seen it um just in my circle of friends it was like oh yeah like who isn't gonna see it but then like when I talked to other people like in our world this was like the biggest relief like it was like oh yeah but then, like, there's so many other people who just, like, haven't seen it. And such a good film. So, let me str- go back to kids real quick, just because... So, it stars Chloe Sevigny, and there's some other characters that go around, but... She finds out she has AIDS, and the whole crux of the movie is her trying to go around looking for this other character to be like, Hey, I have AIDS. I th- you know, you probably have it too, or whatever. And so it goes through, and nowadays, everything would be like everyone's got smartphones and it just wouldn't exist so you kind of get a very good snapshot of pre cell phone existence and then when it ends it hits such kind of a devastating like 
like that note, similar to like Eyes Wide Shut, how like so much hinges on the last line spoken in Eyes Wide Shut to like really bring everything together. Like the last, in kids, the last moment, the last words, like really kind of seals it. And it's, it's pretty, pretty powerful. So yeah, don't go and expecting like the most shocking film, but like a good portrait of, of these teenagers. And then in mid nineties, um, stars a bunch of like a lot of no names, uh, young actor kids like found at the skate park, I believe. And, um, the star is Stevie, or his nickname is called Sunburn, and he's, like, becoming a teenager, like, a preteen, and he's, like, sees these kids out skate skateboarding, and he's kind of curious and wanting to, like, you know, what is that? What are they doing? You know? And he doesn't really have a group of people to hang out with, and his brother is, like, a big asshole who, like, will beat him up for stuff, and this one's pretty intense, as well with like kind of just some emotional stuff like the kid just obviously you know not feeling heard at times and just trying to get through life um but this has a as different as like the kids are kind of like in the film kids are just kind of very much like assholes to each other in a lot of ways this one is like about finding that group of kids no matter how kind of like, fucked up they could be or are, how, like, you know, they have this common bond of skateboarding, and <clears throat> they just go through their lives, and it's like, this is the only, and for me, someone who's gr grown up skateboarding, this movie really captured the idea of, like, I don't know what else to do or have nothing else in my life to look forward to, but, like, going to go skateboard and just forget about my care, my worries, and just being this and all I have to care about is like landing this trick or whatever and it really captures that and similar like you said you can see kind of the the influence from um kids in it and I just read online that um Harmony Kareen has a brief appearance in the film so Harmony Kareen also wrote kids in um so that's pretty cool. So those two are very, like, for me, this one's, like, a little more obvious of a, uh, a pairing, but I think they go well together, and I just haven't heard anyone just say it. So I just figured I'd bring those up. I remember the the sort of rollout for mid-'90s, um, but, yeah, I didn't catch that one. I never saw Kids either. Really? I I had it when we were going in class. For... Yeah. <laughs> oh, I know, yeah, I just never got around to kids. I know we watched Bully together. Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, in, back, in, back in the college days. Yes. I, I kind of know Larry Clark's deal, I guess. <laughs> yeah. But I have, I have not seen kids, and I know that's like... I love Harmony Corinne, and that's his first uh, screenplay, wasn't yes. it? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Um, Okay, I'll have to check those out. All right. Yeah, and uh, oh, I f forgot to mention uh, there was an all regions German Blu-ray for kids, um, because there there has been no uh, American release, but that all region German ones like kind of out of print already and hard a little bit hard to find. Um, there is like a I think it's Lionsgate or somebody, but has it? There's like a DVD version of the film, 
but it's it's not in the proper aspect ratio. It's like letterbox. So if you put it on your widescreen TV, you're gonna oh yeah, get you like, gotta like you gotta a, like monkey with the settings, and then it's gonna crop the subtitles all weird. Yeah, I know what you yeah. mean, man. <laughs> so um, that one's gonna be kind of like any way you can find it, just go for it. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if you could find it streaming somewhere. Um, yeah, and then, I think that's I don't know. That's one of those that's like yeah, it's been always like controversial just because like. I, I don't know what it is about. I mean, well, of course we know what it is about America. It's it's one of it's just a weird, fucked up, sexually repressed place, and, and the idea yeah. of like teenage sexuality just drives a lot of people insane over here. So, <laughs> yeah, and that, well, I think that's why it was so controversial when it came out because it was like teenagers having sex. This is America. We're Puritans. It's like, where have you been, man? I mean, I'm like. <sighs> Yeah, and Larry, yeah, Larry Clark. I mean, he's it, it's graphic, but it's not like the most graphic thing you've ever seen. I mean, it's not. We're not talking like unsimulated full penetration here. Um, right. He just he just casts like young, attractive people, and then is a little leery with his camera. Like, <laughs> yeah, like like I mean, it, it it's lecherous, but like, I I mean, I think Nick Pickerton put it well. Like, I mean. The act of watching a film is watching people who can't see you, and that is by default not an ethical act. Like, <laughs> cinema's already, like, <laughs> there's nothing moral about watching a movie in the first place. It's just entertainment, you know? Right, um, right. Any, or, I mean, not just entertainment. It's art. It's, it's, it's many, it's many, 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 many things. Um, yeah. But it's not, it's not a virtuous act at the base of it. Right. But I can see, like, when it came out, at the time, there hadn't been anything really like it. So I can see why people were shocked by it. But it's also, like, it's probably played at a festival with, like, a bunch of 40, maybe plus up adults. Yeah. Like, like out of touch with, like... I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's like it's like us going to see, like, uh, an, uh, the new Almodovar at, at Celebration oh Cinema. And it's, like... Right, it's it's us two, and then it's like There's... A, a bunch of like people in their sixties and seventies. Yeah, that was weird. It was like what? Yeah. <laughs> apparently, apparently, a very common experience when watching like you know foreign or even just like drama films in the theater now. Oh um, yeah. Um, yeah, kids got rated NC seventeen by the MPAA. Um, but was released without a rating and had critical to mixed response, but it grossed like twenty point four million on a one point five million budget. Oh wow, yeah. So I mean and I mean launched several careers. Uh I yeah, mean, Chloe was, Seventy. Was like Rosario Dawson was yeah. in it, I think too. Yeah. yeah. Um that's so that's so bizarre that that hasn't gotten a Blu ray release. Like that's that's like that's like one of the big like nineties American independent cinema titles, right? Like if it's Lionsgate, they have a shit ton of like that era stuff that they just aren't putting out. And so Man, uh yeah. This era of corporate consolidation is awful. <laughs> All 
right, night two, screening two, uh, mm-hmm. Euro Trip and Two Lane Blacktop. Ooh. Um, yeah, so Euro Trip 2004, Scotty yeah. doesn't know. Um, I, I, I have to admit, I only saw this recently because it is my girlfriend's favorite movie, uh, or one of her favorite movies. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't, um, it's been so long since I've seen it. It's great. Uh, it was a lot funnier and better than I expected. Like, it's, it, uh, I feel like it got marketed as, like, an American Pie-type sex comedy, but it really feels yeah. more like, like a, like one of those, like, you know, uh, old, uh, Jerry Zucker farces. Like, it, it feels more in the tradition of, like, like Airplane or a Mel Brooks film, than it yeah, does yeah. uh okay. and that like it's a little more absurd and i mean it, it it does get a little more uh raunchier than than those traditionally do but i mean it's uh, uh a a more clever than it needs to be comedy about dumb americans sort of uh <laughs> winding their way through europe um after after a man is is cheated upon um and then two lane blacktop i always forget who directed it i always want to say it's monty hellman monty hellman okay but yeah two lane blacktop 70s road movie stars Mm -hmm. james taylor and dennis wilson and warren oates and laurie bird um yeah and it's the the driver and and the mechanic driving their what their i have to look up the make and model the yeah, their 1955 Chevy racing for pink slips across America. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I feel like both uh, speak to a sense of of uh, wounded pride and failed American masculinity. Okay. Yeah, I. It's <laughs> um, been I don't know. A long time since I've seen either of those. Right. I just I I, I like a, a a travelogue and like yeah, Euro Trip's gonna be the more the 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 farcical fun one and Two Lane Blacktop's a, a little more. You know, it's it, it's a somber '70s Amer- American independent film. It's very uh, um, reserved um, and and stark, but but very primal in uh, in what it portrays. Uh, I don't know. I felt like I understood all of my uncles better after watching it. That's if that fair. makes sense. <laughs> I don't know. I What's... mean, it because because it, it it has a very ambivalent view of of. Um, america but i mean there's also that that appeal to it like just you know you know men plying their trade and and perfecting their craft in these these open these open spaces um you know forever hounded by you know the (laughs) the dreams of lesser men um i just think it it would be sort of an an interesting journey to to watch both of those in one go yeah i'll have to try that out i I mean it's been a while since I watched both of those, but it's it's also funny too. Where it's like, Two Lane Blacktop was like, peep like was a a hit, and when you watch it now, you're like, that would never be a hit today. Like, America just wouldn't go for it. It'd be like, this is too arty or too weird. But it it struck something. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it would it would be a modest success on A twenty four and and star Robert Pattinson or something these days. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> And and everybody would be like, this rocks. Uh, <laughs> um, or like a certain subsect of people. But yeah, it wouldn't be the like all quadrants hit that, that it was uh, back in the day. Man, grownups used to like go to movies and now they don't. Well, I was listening to uh, 
a podcast on the conversation and they said, you know, back in the 70s, it was like movies were engaging with culture and culture was engaging with movies where we're kind of missing, missing culture, that cultural engagement of culture engaging in movies. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's down to these like questions of like representation and and tropes and stuff. Like, I mean, this is this is a gross like caricature of like the state of mainstream film criticism or whatever. But you know, because like obviously, there's plenty of people making great movies. There's tons of good mm-hmm. stuff being made right now. It's just the way things are distributed and and you know what what we're most aware of at any given time. Like, I mean, there's just not room in the cinema in in actual physical theaters anymore for you know something like two lane blacktop you know it's it's gonna be a few screens a weekend and that well well three of the theaters are are showing whatever you know new marvel movie just came out we're in a reductionist in some ways for especially for a theater experience of um what's available where it's kind of just becoming either super arty movie, just arty movies or like big blockbuster superhero stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That's kind of the new paradigm that got kind of, it's the, it's the no budget horror film and, and the $300, $300 million blockbuster. Like you're only going to see stuff that made, you know, was made for nothing or something that was made for everything in a right. theater more often in, in your average multiplex. Like, <laughs> yeah. Night three, showing one. Yeah. All right. So, <coughs> so I'm pairing Pet Cemetery two with Child's Play three. Interesting. Um. So first, I ended up watching like Pet Cemetery two will go in and out of Netflix kind of variously, and that's I had first watched it years ago on. Netflix and um, I recently got a Blu-ray release by uh, Screen Factory, and I actually like Pet Cemetery Two more than the first one. I know someone's like throwing their keyboard or their phone out the window right now, but yeah, that's um, a that's a controversial take. <laughs> it is, yeah. So it they're both directed by Mary Lambert. She she did both those films and like. Um, I remember going into watching Pet Cemetery 2, be like, all right, let's just check it out. Like, it's probably going to suck, but, like, let me just check it out. And, like, I will say the first five minutes are kind of off-putting because it's kind of cheesy. And, it, like, it's, it's like, in this movie set. And it stars Edward Furlong, uh, Terminator 2 fame, if people don't know. Um, but he's, like, on set with his mom, and she, like, dies this, like, ridiculous, almost ridiculous death. And so the movie's kind of him dealing with, like, the grief of his mom being lost. And then, so I can't remember if they, but they go back to the same place where the, kind of the same town where the first one is, basically. I can't remember if they were, his dad lived there before, or they're just, like, starting fresh, but his dad's, like, a vet and takes care of animals. So Edward, he's, like, again, he's, like, the new kid in town, and there's some, um, bully, there's a bully kid, and... And whatever, and his dog dies, so he ends up taking it back to the uh, the cemetery. The dog comes back, and as you know, things don't go 
as you want him to. And um, his best friend's dad, I forgot who plays the, the cop, but he's like an asshole dad cop. And um, he ends up dying, and then they have to, like, because I think they came here for, like, what is it, the kids kill him or ever he dies. So they take him to the cemetery because they're like, we're going to get in trouble for, like, murder or whatever. And, man, so if you're thinking she's just going to, like, retread or have to rehash, like, the first movie, it, it's not. It's completely different. Stands on its own. And it gets very, like, towards the end, it just gets kind of weird and surreal, almost like Italian, Italian, like, Fulci-esque like horror surrealism and just it kind of it goes from like very typical standard like we're in reality and it slowly just twists into this like surreal horror little fun nightmare ride um that is i just think super enjoyable and so picking child's play three um because both of them have about like teenager kids and Child's Play 3 is actually my favorite, which is also another, like, controversial statement. Everyone talks about 2, but Child's Play 2 doesn't quite work for me. The ending of Child's Play 2 is great, but everything else before that, I'm like, I just, it just doesn't click. It's off. So Child's Play 3, I, even the filmmakers are like, that was a misstep. But I think if they would have came out, it just came out too early. Because it has that kid vibe of, like, Stranger Things and, like, kids going on to, like, this kind of adventure. But, uh, what was his name? So Andy is sent off to military school and um, it takes place, like, eight years after the second one. But this company is, like, Oh, well, it's been so long, we're gonna start doing good guy dolls again, and, like, start revamping the, the old factory that the second one had, and it, um, ends up bringing Chucky back, and, but what you get in this one is you, you get, like, the, the iconic Chucky that you think of, this is where his quips, his, like, one-liners are just so spot on in what you think of, like, which defines him for the rest of the series. It's just so tightly put in there. And then, um, I just, and cause, like, when you get to the third movie and the fourth movie, it's like, what, like, are you just gonna rehash stuff that's already happened? So in some ways they are kind of rehashing a little bit, but putting it in the military school, it adds this, these extra characters that kind of add to the story with some of the other bully kids um, at the military school bullying Andy. And um, it adds some tension and some more fun kills for Chucky to, to go with. And then the ending set piece at the carnival is just really cool. And then, spoiler alert, when Chucky gets like his face like cut off, it's just the coolest thing, I think. it He just looks so badass and terrifying i i just love it oh man yeah i'll have to i'll have to check those out i have not seen either of them but i love i love weird um horror movie sequels i don't know military schools are such a fascinating setting for for a movie honestly uh that's cool anyway 
Child's Play 3. Sounds good. Um, yeah. So, like, un, un, unloved horror movie sequels. Yeah. I mean, Pet Cemetery 2 definitely has an audience. Maybe not as big as the first one, but there are others out there that enjoy it. But Child's Play 3 is, like, the black sheep of the series. So, But I think they go well together. It's always so funny how like the some of the most hated entries in any given franchise wind up giving something like adding something that's deemed essential an essential part of the character in like later more well regarded entries or whatever. Oh um, yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, I, I, it all happens to varying degrees, especially with these like you know more iconic uh, horror characters from the um, like eighties and nineties and stuff. Mm-hmm. Anyway, um, I suppose I should I should. Uh, I, sh- I should say what my double feature is for this for this evening. Um, so my my next double feature is the Naked Kiss and Night of the Hunter. Ooh, yeah. So uh, I I don't think I've seen the Naked Kiss. Oh, it's uh, it's great. Um, so it's a Samuel Samuel Fuller, nineteen sixty four neo noir. Yeah, I haven't main, seen that one. Yeah, main character is a a a working girl, a lady of the night, a sex worker who uh um gets chased out of out of town by her pimp um and relocates to a small town with the the goal of of giving up her old life and and getting a fresh start. Uh she is distrusted by the local cop who, you know, uh sleeps with her immediately as soon as she arrives in town and then suggests he she leave town. Uh, and set up at at a cat house somewhere else um but uh she doesn't she stays she makes a life for herself uh and then she uh what she wants to she like works as a nurse uh you know taking care of of children um like you know disabled orphans and stuff uh it's great um and then she she gets engaged to a uh the the local rich guy uh who's like the the heir of of the town's founding family um and yeah then it then it it turns out uh he he ain't great he's he's a child molester so oh, she man. kills him yeah <laughs> she kills him uh and then uh just yeah continues to like live her life um so it's just all about yeah that that the sea you know this idyllic small town has a seamy underbelly uh but it, it it's in it's all delivered in that uh you know that classic pulpy um quick and to the point very kinetic uh fuller style like i don't know it's intense it's great it's a pretty unique movie um i mean samuel fuller's great and yeah. I know I, it's on Criterion, so I've seen this cover before. Yeah, this is this sounds yeah. amazing. Yep, and then uh, Night of the Hunter. We we all know it and love it. Uh, Robert Mitchum is the the his name. Uh, yeah, the Reverend Harry Powell uh, <laughs> learns his cellmate. Uh, you know, made a big score in a bank robbery and he, and he was sentenced to death for killing a policeman. Um, and so he goes and like marries, marries his widow to like track the money down. Uh, and only, only his children know where the money is stashed. Uh, and so he marries and eventually murders their mother. Um, they're out on the run. They're taken in by, uh, man, who's the, 
Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. So Rachel Cooper. So played by Lillian Gish, a, you know, classic movie of, uh, an earlier era (laughs) of the starlet of the, of the silent film era. Yeah, man. Uh, so she runs a farm and, uh, they, they sort of, you know, in, in their, in their flight from their old home, they, they stumble upon this place and, and she has all these kids there. And then they slowly find out that, you know, these are kids whose parents can no longer take care of them or, you know, they're runaways, but, you know, she takes them in and she takes care of them. Um, just a lot of powerful shit in that movie. I don't know. It's, uh, so both of these movies I think are, are portrait, you know, really interesting portraits of specifically feminine heroes. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I think like they're, uh, I guess I don't know what I mean, but, uh... Well, I would say... I haven't seen Naked Kiss, but uh, Night of the Hunter is, like, still relevant today. I watched a YouTube video, um... Oh, yeah, I still need to... I I, I know you sent that to me. I still yeah, need to watch this, that. This, so, like, there's a lot of, um... A lot of our generation is kind of being post-Christian or, like, ex-Christian, and... The, the Preacher by Roger, Robert Mitchum is, like, the embodiment of all that toxic religiosity in, like, the most, like, obvious way. But for these other characters in the film, they're like, oh, he's such a nice guy. Right, yeah. And, and like, and... he's so manipulative and so... But then there's the opposite of this feminine religious of Lillian Gish's character who's like a religious but it's a feminine view a a tender view that like but but yeah yeah but what I also like about but yeah both of these movies is it's also a feminine strength yes specifically like I mean you know it uh right it's sort of the protective and nurturing which you know means defending tooth and claw (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know just as just as much uh, as you know uh harry powell is is a predator um yeah and i think both both really play with that that sort of wolf in sheep's clothing like uh sort of the two figures of the town scion and the preacher you know these 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 central pillars of of masculine authority in american society in i mean for forever basically you know uh being exposed as predators uh, and and being you know confronted by a sort of d- distinctly feminine strength that that sort of drives them out uh, and <laughs> leads them to their ruin eventually. Um, but I, I mean, I do like in the Naked Kiss that she just straight up kills the guy. <laughs> nice. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I feel like in my in my old age, I I have grown less patient with those who prey on the weak and vulnerable. <laughs> That's fair. Yeah, it's 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 okay if a guy like that gets uh, uh gets killed. Um, gets his comeuppance. Yeah, yeah. Um, but both are good movies. I don't. Know, I just like you know Constance Towers and in, in the Naked Kisses. She's this very uh, forceful and and terse woman um, who is at turns like reviled and and admired by these men around her who just can't quite uh, make sense of her and. Um, I don't know. There's even like these great scenes of her, uh, with like the little disabled kids and like, she refuses to like baby them or talk down to them. And everybody's just like taken aback. But then like all these kids love her because she treats them like a person. These movies, oh man, these movies get hella sappy. I love them. They're so good. Um, 
Yeah, yeah. But, so but they is, work. Yeah. <laughs> Classics. Um, all right, yeah, that's night three. Let's move on. Night four, screening All one. Right. Yeah, so I have the 1980 film Alligator starring Robert Forrester Ooh. and the 2019 film Crawl by Alexandra Ajaya, who did the Hills Have Eyes remake. Mm, um, okay. So for a, a long time, Alligator was not available or like on like a, bat, a, a crappy DVD. Um, and it, and people weren't sure if it was even going to get a Blu-ray release, but <clears throat> earlier this year, um, Scream Factory put out a 4K version of Alligator, and it has the theatrical cut and the TV cut that has, like, almost, like, 10 minutes extra footage. Um, <laughs> that is so bizarre, man. Yeah. Um, that, there's other movies that happened with, like, uh, the... Waterworld had like a TV cut that was longer, not had footage not in the theatrical cut. And I'm just like, what? It's, this is very weird. Um, but anyways, so Alligator stars uh, Robert Forrester, and it takes place in Chicago, but you could tell it's definitely not in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> it's like they couldn't they have just made it somewhere else, like else. But anyways, so Robert Forrester, great classic american um character actor uh mostly best known for um his role in jackie brown so i'd heard about alligator for a while and it's kind of like a definitely sits in that jaws ripoff kind of movie of like monster movie kind of thing kind of has a similar format or template um but this movie is just I've heard a lot of great things about it, and it, it lives up to the hype. It's a ton of fun, and it plays well as almost like a um, a cop procedural movie with Robert Forster trying to figure out like what's happening to these people getting killed. And then if you, you kind of hint at... I don't know if I would have caught this watching, but there's a company doing animal experiments, and they're dumping their, their leftover stuff down the sewer and it's basically what's eating the alligator or what the alligator is eating so it's boosting his like metabolism or whatever and it makes him 36 feet long and just this ginormous <laughs> alligator um and into and, and it's just a lot of fun and it's and some of these a lot of like some movie suits not even like they're necessarily doing something like new or inventive but they just play in that wheelhouse of their genre and they just do it well and so and the charisma of robert forster is just on screen and there's like a joke of him like going bald and he's just kind of very relatable and it's yeah super fun movie yeah robert forster is great oh and then crawl so i had um kind of saw the trailer for this and i was like oh this just looks kind of again and i'm like oh it looks kind of bad but it is so much fun like i went to theaters and i was like i had so much fun watching this movie so 
takes place in Florida, and there's like a, a Category 5 hurricane, and the main character, uh, Haley, who's like a swimmer, and she's like on the, the college swim team or whatever, and she's going back to visit her dad. They had like, her dad and her mom had like a divorce or whatever, and so, uh, and they she hasn't had the best relationship with her dad, and, um... So she goes, so like during the storm, like doing all the, the dumb shit, you're like, what are you doing? Like, she goes like where the storm is headed because she's trying to check on her dad because he hasn't answered his phone. And he's under the crawl space. She gets there and he's like under the crawl space. Um, I can't remember if he's like passed out right away and she like wakes him up, but he like has like gotten bitten or like whatever, something fell on him. And he's, he's like kind of stuck under there. And when she goes down there, he's like, oh, yeah, so there's an al there's like a, a crocodile or alligator, I forgot what it was, the difference between the two. Um, there's like an alligator in, in the basement with them, and they have to get out. And then, and what's great is this movie just kind of like right when you think it's going to like give you a moment to rest up, it might give you maybe a moment, but then it just keeps going and just kind of amps up, and it's just... It's such a fun movie, um, and if you pair these two together, like, you'll just have a blast, and so you'll have one that's, like, an older, more 80s monster, like, more kind of monster-ish movie, and then, like, you have, uh, Crawl, which is from 2019, a, a little bit more modern, and much, has more suspense and thrill ride to them, and, yeah, if you like monster movies, and you like alligators, or crocodiles, or whatever, you're gonna have a great time. Heard a lot of good good hype about both of those. Um, haven't haven't seen either. I'll have to try that out. Okay, mine are Thirteen Assassins and Commando Leopard. Um, so Thirteen Assassins is a yeah 2010 Takashi Miike film um, about uh, samurai uh, assassinating a corrupt shogun. Um, it it rocks uh a lot of a lot of good ownage in it um the main the main samurai dude uh just like constantly talks about how like the nobles only have their power because of the people and like it's the gravest sin for nobles to like abuse the people and uh i don't know yeah just just a great story of of virtuous warriors um killing a bastard that deserves it uh you know and 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 sacrificing themselves uh heroically uh it rocks um and then commando leopard is a 1985 uh war film directed by a man named antonio margarete um who you might know uh as uh one one of the guys aliases at the end of inglorious bastards I think it's mm. like Eli Roth. He's like, "Oh, this is my cinematographer, Antonio Margarete," and they, they do that uh, that thing. Anyway, real guy uh, did a bunch of like spaghetti combat films in the seventies and eighties. Um, so this one it has, uh, yeah, <laughs> who's the main dude? Um, just some guy, uh, Lewis Collins. 
uh, who I think is a British actor, and then like Klaus Kinski plays plays a villain in this movie. Um, of but course it, he it, does. But it it takes place in like a, you know sort of anonymous um, Central or South American uh, country that has been taken over by a dictatorship, and uh, Lewis Collins plays a, a native son of the land um, who who went off and and got an education and came back. Uh, a filthy communist and and now he's leading a revolution to take down the brutal cia backed dictator uh, that's now running the country um and uh yeah it's great it's a super low budget italian war movie there's a lot of like really fun set pieces and like models exploding and stuff um very much in the tradition of like the original inglorious bastards uh but but more of like a 1980s guerrilla warfare flavor uh yeah, it just follows this dude uh, through the country, and then it's kind of like uh, pretty realistic in its depiction of. I mean, not not like it's it's not the Battle of Algiers, but it's like realistic in like what the sequence of events in guerrilla warfare is. So it's like the the opening scene is uh, this guerrilla band taking over and dynamiting a dam, and as soon as they're done, they're like, okay, we have to. Um, we did this. It's gonna. It's gonna. It's going to have this effect, but it's also going to wipe out these towns downstream. But that is just a choice we had to make. But the important thing is we're working to liberate this country. And then they move on to a village to, like, get food and stuff. And then they leave the village. And, of course, the government forces are hot on their heels and just kill everybody in the village. Uh, just because that's the way it works. That's insurgency and counterinsurgency. Um, uh, yeah, it's great. Just a ton of firefights and stuff blowing up. And the good guys win at the end. Um, and it's like pretty explicitly anti-american and anti-cia so uh pretty cool yeah you'll notice a theme in a lot of my picks it's uh bad people getting what they deserve because that doesn't happen too often in the world we live in so uh i yeah. i like it's a good theme um i just lost my thought but oh yeah 13 assassins i started started a while ago, but I was, like, super tired and, like, had to turn it off and fell asleep, and I never got back around to it, but I'm always down for a good Takashi Miike film, and Commando Leopard, I've never heard of. Yep. But... This one, uh, definitely on YouTube. You can just search for okay. it on YouTube and watch yeah. it. <laughs> but being that it's, like, an Italian action ripoff movie, it sounds like, yeah. it sounds like a ball of fun, and... These two movie movies paired together just sound like yeah. dynamite. Right. It's, you know, just a couple different eras of men on a mission. Um, yeah, yeah. Just good times. Yeah, now we're on our going to the I mean, final night. Oh, the final! Oh, we're on night five, man. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. I'm. I, <laughs> it's all right. I'm losing it. Um, it's all been right. a while. Yeah. It's a while. It's been a wild uh, curation of movies. So yeah, this is yeah. <laughs> if you're a little delirious <laughs> after this, like we understand. I don't know. Yeah, it's a lot of. Yeah, just thematic whiplash constantly. Um, yeah. All right, go for it, man. All right, so this is. One of my favorite double features um, to do, and I uh, had 
met up with one of my friends that I hadn't seen in a while at his house, and we I just hung out. I was like, yeah, I brought movies, and we just, I was like, we got double feature movies, like, every night I was there, and this was the first one we kicked off with, and they, they pair so well together, and it's, in my mind, it's, like, life-changing. <laughs> um, but here we go. So, Tammy and the T-Rex, released in 1994, and... Cruel Jaws, or a.k.a. Jaws 5, um, released in 1995, direct-to-video. So, Tammy and the T-Rex is a science fiction horror comedy directed by Stuart Raphael. I don't know if I said that right, but the guy who did Mac and Me. So, if okay, you're yeah. familiar with Mac and um, Me, it'll give you some indication. <laughs> um... um. Yeah, yeah, keep going. But Go for it, it stars Denise Richards and Paul Walker as in one of his first roles. And so the premise is Paul Walker is trying to date Denise Richards, but she has a jealous ex-boyfriend who is like the punk bully of the group. Um, so he's like still the the bully punk guy has like still has like he's like oh Denise Richards you're still my girl like you can't go out with anybody else and um so he ends up finding Paul Walker at her house and he they comes over storms the house and they beat him up they take him to like this animal reserve where he gets mauled by a lion and then he's like put in the ICU and um, this mad scientist has an animatronic T-Rex that he steals Paul Walker from the hospital, cuts out his brain, and inserts it into this animatronic T-Rex. <laughs> and then Paul Walker, and it becomes alive, like this almost like a Frankenstein creation. And he now has to, like, he goes back to find Denise Richards with his brain in this animatronic T-Rex, and he's got little nubby, like, T-Rex arms and everything. And this movie was was basically built to someone that they're like, hey, we we have, like, an animatronic T-Rex you can have for, like, two weeks or for, like, a month or whatever. And they built the story around just having this, like, T-Rex, and now it's, like, in South America at some amusement park, or, or it was after they got done filming. Um, oh, wow. So this movie knows, like, it, it, it's like, a lot of movies, like, know they're trying to be, like, a trashy B-movie, or, like, cheesy, campy B-movie, but they f fail at it because they kind of, they wink, or not, like, they're, like, very aware of it. Now this movie, the filmmakers are aware, because they do stuff that is just ridiculously, like, I can't believe, like, this is, like, this is, a, this is... This is a traster piece. These two movies are traster pieces, is what I say. Um, but it has so many laughs a minute. It's just joke after joke. And they're not necessarily, like, trying to make some, like, grandiose statement. They're just having a shit fun show with this movie. And it all the better for it. So, this was originally... So, when they had it, they were going to... Like, hey, this is, like, a horror comedy... It was like, um, but then when the producers got a hold, they're like, no, we're going to make this into a kid's movie. And they cut out all the uh, gore, yeah. all the gore. And then the gore cut was found 
and it's been released and restored by Vinegar Syndrome. And yeah, I think uh, the the um, Red Letter Media they they it was on uh, one of their videos a number of years ago, and then yeah, yeah, I know Vinegar Syndrome put the R-rated cut out, and that was I think that was touring for a while. It might have been. I can't remember. Sure they had a, a print going around. Um, yeah. All right. What's the What's the second movie here? So the second one is uh, I ta- call it Jaws Five, but it's called Cruel Jaws, and it's done by Bruno Mattei. So another Italian. He's a famous ripoff uh, Italian ripoff filmmaker who just kind of. So the odd thing is, like, this came out in like ninety four, ninety five ish, and it was like. He's usually chasing, like, the hype of, like, whatever is, like, popular. Like, he, he's done, like, a Robocop Predator ripoff movie. Uh-huh. He's done, like, a Terminator ripoff movie. And, like, there's some other ones. But it was kind of, like, there was no Jaws, like, anything going on in, like, 95. Right, yeah. So I was like, <laughs> what, what the hell? So, um, and they were calling it Jaws 5. And they got a cease and desist letter, and they have they had to call it Cruel Jaws. Um, but this is another, it, it fits so well. And this one is like almost bad. It, like it's like the filmmaking in it is like almost incompetent at times, where it's like, what the hell? Like you know how to make a movie. Like if you've seen other movies he's done, you can, you know he he still knows how to make. But there's like a part where like they have a a cut to another scene and then the actors are supposed to be walking but it takes them a second to start walking and the camera follows <laughs> them and then there were shot it took me a second but there's like these shots that i'm like why the like did they just color it blue but it's supposed to be a day for night shot and it took me a couple watches to understand like oh this is supposed to be at night that's why everything <laughs> looks blue but there's like no clouds like you could tell the sun's obviously out and right. it it just is like i like what the, like you're, how are you trying to pass this off um but what what works is in this movie it there's outrageous dialogue and line delivery that just get you la- laughing there is they they rip off a famous movie franchise song in this movie they, they like tweak it a bit but like i had paused the movie and like Asked my roommate, I was like, do you know what this is from? And he was like, wait, what, what is it? And I told him. And then we hit play, and I just started laughing, and I had to pause the movie, because I couldn't believe they just ripped this song, like, off. So bad. But what makes it work is it still has those, like, jaw, those jaws kind of tropes and beats of a shark movie that make it work even despite of the almost incompetent filmmaking and another movie that just has a joke a minute almost. And um, yeah, these go so good together, unfortunately. So this was released by Severin and, um, but I'm not sure there's like a, he, so Bruno Mattei took scenes from other movies and just put them in his movie. Just like, didn't like, um, so there's like a shot, I think, from like Jaws 2 that's like unlicensed. And so Severin okay. had had this released. And then Severin was going to put out Drop Dead Fred. And then I guess the studio found out that Jaws 5 
or whatever, or Cruel Jaws, or they had put this movie out, and it, the clip still isn't licensed, and so they had to pull it down, and they lost their release of Drop Dead Fred. But I'm kind of like, who's, like, really caring that this has, like, a, like, five-second shot, maybe, of from Jaws 2? Like, it does stand on its own as a, a, a movie, so I'm like, I... I don't know why they have, like, being so anal about it, but... Because yeah, this is a great movie. You can find it on YouTube, but you, you'll you find the Japanese cut, which I haven't actually watched, but that has a couple extra gore in it, or gore scenes in it. Okay, those, yeah, those sound fun. I've been, I've been meaning to watch Tammy and the T-Rex forever, but uh, hadn't got a, my hands on the, R, the R-rated cut. Yeah, they're fantastic. Like, you will have a blast watching these movies. Especially if you're, like, you, like whether you're having a good day or a bad day, or if you've had a hard week, and you just need, like, some movies to really just enjoy and have fun with, I will guarantee you, even if you watch these movies separately, you will have a blast. All right. Um, and for my, my final entry... Uh, in in our our fake festival, uh, I've selected two movies that'll pretty much do the opposite of that. Um, All right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, my my final two my final double feature is The Empty Man and Zero Dark Thirty. Um, so The Empty Man uh, is a 2020 horror film, uh, by David Pryor, stars James Badge Dale, a uh, lot of um shots in creepy basements um uh all sorts of weird tulpa shit uh <laughs> <laughs> um like i i kind of picked it because I, I i sort of half remember it like i i i it, it's a fairly long movie and I mean, it's two hours it's not the longest movie in the world it's just two hours but watched okay. it late at night i kind of like fell asleep in the middle of it but i like I still kind of got the basic story, but I still remember it as kind of a nightmare at the same time. Um, but it, it left in like it, the flavor of its horror was very distinctly met Midwestern to me. There's a lot of like institutional basements. Um, I don't know, like there's this like weird place called like the Pontifex Institute and a lot of stuff like takes place in just going through these like sort of never unending cavernous underground spaces that are also, built um yeah very creepy all about uh finding out who the empty man is it's like you know one of those creepy cults where you know kids say a rhyme near a bridge and then all of a sudden people start killing themselves and stuff like it's it, it rocks uh mm. just um and then yeah zero dark 30 uh <laughs> um notorious propaganda film zero dark 30 uh uh, yeah, I'm kind of trying to trace my thought thread through this, but like, you know, the, the empty man is like this, that's, uh, uh, like sort of a medium who channels dark spirits. Um, uh, something that's interesting about zero dark 30 is like the, the sort of absence of, of Osama bin Laden. Like, you know, there's no, his face is never really shown outside of photographs. It's not like they put some guy in makeup, like, and then you see like a you know his head explode or anything um 
you know, it's all it's all sort of like reserved and it's that that very Obama era of like, oh, we're all, you know, grim professionals just trying to do what's right and 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 trying to win America's soul back. And, you know, it's this very self-flattering portrait of the CIA and uh, all that stuff. Um, so, like. I don't know, kind of, you know, kind of gets slammed for being propaganda because it is propaganda, but I think it's 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 also interesting because it's it's it, it's reckoning with the the dark heart of America in the in the war on terror. Um I don't know, I think there's a similar process going on. I like I like the idea of an empty man, this 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 sort of conduit for all of the bad things and I think like I mean, forgive me if I'm speaking out of pocket and, and, and playing fast and loose with, you know, historical tragedies and violence. But I mean, like, you know, Osama bin Laden is is less of a real figure and, and more of a, a symbol at this point. Um, oh, sure. Yeah. Uh, and oh, man, I, 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 I just finished an audio book of uh, of a book that came out um, this year called Code Over Country, and it's basically a history of uh navy seals and seal team six specifically and seal team six were the guys that actually like kicked in the door and killed bin laden um and so this this book kind of goes into the like the real story of it and it's uh you know they're they're held up as as these new american heroes these these quiet professionals and like we we have all of this like pop culture that basically worships at the throne of the operator and mm-hmm at the center of it they're just killers there's yeah. not a lot of um like you know you go through that book code over country um like there's the kinds of person at, like it it goes through to a lot of links with like okay most most uh most members of the military are honorable blah 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 but like the seals seem to attract a lot of uh amoral personalities with like superiority complexes because it's like they all gas themselves up as like we're the best of the best of the best and like we do murder at a moment's notice five days a week on behalf of the president um i don't know there's nothing virtuous about that (laughs) right right there's in fact there's something you know incredibly corrosive about that um so i don't know if i have a thesis but i mean i've i think you know, despite Zero Dark Thirty's propagandistic aims, it does channel a darkness worth contemplating. And I think something like The Empty Man, um, by being set in America in the Midwest, I, I don't know. I just like the idea of, of I, I think it's dealing with like some some similar forces and, and kind of what happens when, when a society is is at war forever. Yeah, I I like they sound intriguing. It's two movies that I would have never like put together, but yeah, I, I'll have to try it out myself. Um, yeah. All right, so that we did it. That's that's so, the odd the odd splice double feature festival. Yeah. So let's just kind of I'll run through my list one more time, and then you can run through your list, and we can yeah. wrap it up. Hell yeah. So, so what I had first off was New Kids from or the New Kids from 1985 and Hunting Ground from um, 1983. Uh, the New Kids can be found on uh, a Mill Creek Mill Creek Blu-ray 
Or if you have a Region 3 player, you can do the UK 101 film Special Edition, which looks way better than the Mill Creek one. Um, and Mondo Macabro has a Hunting Ground on Blu-ray, and you can check them out for a lot of uh, weird or... Um, they put a lot of genre stuff that just kind of gets overlooked and have, have a pretty good catalog. Um, and so the next one is Kids in Mid-90s. There is a All Regions German Blu-ray of Kids. Um, not available for an actual American release, but there are DVD versions for Kids that you can find. And Mid-90s has an A24 Blu-ray. Pretty common. Pretty typical. Uh, you know, they're like one of the bigger companies out there in America producing some stuff. And then we have Pet Cemetery 2 and Child's Play 3. Uh, Pet Cemetery 2 you can find on a Shout or a Scream Factory blu-ray and child's play 3 there's probably different uh, a few different various versions you can find the one i have is in a uh, child's play collection that has like seven other movies um tons of fun and then for the second one the uh, my the fourth night we have alligator and crawl alligator again on uh, Scream Factory, which has a 4K, if you're into 4K, and a Blu-ray. They come packaged together, so it's really great. And then Crawl is just like a Paramount Blu-ray, super cheap. You can find it sometimes even at like your local grocery store, like Walmart or Meijer for like 10 bucks or less. And then we have, finally rounding off at the end, Tammy and the T-Rex and Cruel Jaws, or Jaws 5, a.k.a. Cruel Jaws. Um... Taming the T-Rex is on 4K and Blu-ray from Vinegar Syndrome. And uh, Jaws 5, a.k.a. Curled Jaws, was on Severn Films. So this one will be hard to track down, but there is a YouTube version of the Japanese uh, Snyder Cut, which is slightly longer than the theatrical cut. Um, and yeah, those are, the, those are my five slots. Yep. Um, and so mine were uh, Eyes Wide Shut and The Dirty Dozen. Um, those Dirty Dozen, as of this recording, Dirty Dozen's on HBO Max right now. It tends to show up for a while, and then when I actually want to watch it, it disappears. Um, Eyes Wide Shut, that's got to be streaming somewhere. I don't know where, but bo both of those are like easily like rentable. Find a DVD somewhere. They're both very widely available movies. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, Euro Trip, Two Lane Blacktop. Likewise, you can find a used DVD at the used DVD store. Either well, Two Lane Blacktop. That's going to be more of a Criterion edition. I think I watched it on Criterion Channel. Mm. Um, Naked Kiss and Night of the Hunter. Uh, Naked Kiss definitely on Criterion Channel. Uh, Night of the Hunter is usually on something, um, either well, Criterion a... Channel or like Amazon Prime Video. It it's one of those that sort of like pops up somewhere, goes away, pops up somewhere else, but is usually available if you have access to like multiple streaming services. Uh, but then I'm I'm yeah, there are also. Well, I think there's right here on Blu-ray releases, so you can go yes. to your local Barnes and Noble and pick them up. Yeah, wait for the fifty percent off sale. Uh, get the the Criterion Blu-rays. Um, Thirteen Assassins and Commando Leopard. 13 Assassins, uh, again, generally, usually widely available streaming. It It's on one service or another um, at any given time. Um, Commando Leopard, 
just search on YouTube. There's some account that put it up on there, uh, so you can watch that for free. Uh, Empty Man, Zero Dark Thirty. Uh, Empty Man, that's that's HBO Max for now. I don't know if that has a physical release, but it's a it's a 20th Century Studios. Uh, you know, it's you know no longer 20th Century Fox. It's post buyout. Um, it was a, a Fox uh, film. Um, yeah, they really killed the distribution on this. Like, like Empty Man has got got like zero traction until it hits streaming, but uh, it's 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 in, it's in the new cult canon, um, kind of. Uh, yeah, Zero Dark Thirty, it's fucking everywhere. It's Catherine Big Best Picture winner or whatever nominee. Uh, yeah. Um, so those are the double features. Uh, if you're bored, you got time, uh, try them out. Let us know what you think. Uh, Hit us up in the Discord, Twitter, whatever. Send yeah. me an email. Uh, Oddsplicepod at gmail.com. Twitter, <laughs> or even if you watch these just on your own, or like just without the double feature, let us know what you think. Do you like it? Do you hate it? Um, if you're into collecting physical media like I am, and you're like, oh, where do I get some of these weird movies from? You can go to diabolicdvd.com, and they are a great source for... All kinds of movies. They have uh, Region B movies uh, that you can get and like uh, really great. Uh, there's Orbit DVD, um, which is an actual brick and mortar store in like South Carolina, but they do a lot of online stuff, which also carries a lot of great like imports as well. Um, there's MoviesUnlimited.com and um, and then of course you can buy direct from some of these companies like Mondo Macabro. Diabolic DVD is kind of like an orbit and some of these are like one-stop shops where you can um, If you're trying to get stuff from various different labels, you can um, all in all in one shot um, All in one shot. That's good to know because I, I I've My my physical collecting is definitely slowed down, but I you know every once in a while. I, I like to pick up a, a nice special edition or something uh you know well during the pandemic my physical collection on movies just like skyrocketed because i didn't have <laughs> anything else to do right <laughs> and i like in a cycle and some of the, and like so with some of the stuff i get like you it's can be hard to find anywhere else um but then there's also like scream factory which you can buy direct um and they they'll have sales on stuff too where they'll be like 40 50 percent off or like vinegar syndrome and severin films and so coming up in may vinegar syndrome is going to have a halfway to black friday sale and you can get basically everything 50 almost everything 50 percent off the retail price and so if you want to get tammy the t-rex in 4k you can get it yeah. on a good price i uh yeah i have two i have two vinegar syndrome blu-rays that that i'm <laughs> i have not watched yet <laughs> oh man and i don't know i'll have to do yeah um i don't know that'll be a later episode we'll just do like a vinegar syndrome one and i'll be like hey oh, yeah, i watched be... public affairs and taking tiger mountain that'd be um, great <laughs> oh that's right you want to do the the x-rated cinema episode yeah. at some point yeah um so that'll be a lot of fun we could do um and then severin has their um mid-year sale in june and then both Vinegar Syndrome and Severin have a Black Friday sale where you get stuff half off. Super cheap. Um, and we could even do, maybe we could do a, like a recommendation episode or something too. If oh, man, yeah. are into that. I don't know. Yeah, we'll um, see. I mean, like, I, I know there's like a few people that 
enjoy my opinions and my guests' opinions. So yeah, we'll see. We'll see what comes up. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's it for this one. Uh, if you like any of these double features, uh, let us know. Let us know what you think. Let us know if we're if they pair well. If they don't, uh, tell us if we're we're smart and cool or dumb and full of shit. Yeah. Uh, either or. Um, we just want to talk about movies. So, uh, Stevie, thank thanks for being on. Uh, you got you got your your showing in in May. Um, you got mm-hmm. anything else you want to plug before we head out? Uh, not. I guess not really at the moment. I mean, it, uh, so I'm having the physical premiere, and I didn't realize, but it's Friday the thirteenth will be the online premiere where everyone can watch it. So if you're not local to Grand Rapids, like you can, you'll be able to see it on my YouTube channel. Um, but just be on the lookout for that. I've put a lot of work in it, and I'm still trying to finish it up. So I Hell appreciate yeah. the support. Yeah, looking forward to it, brother. All right, that's it for this one. Uh, Take care, everybody. All right. Until next time, keep the balcony open. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Odd Splice. Be sure to visit oddsplice.com for all of your Odd Splice needs. And don't forget to rate and review the show wherever podcasts are. Thanks, everyone.